Please be seated. Would you please turn with me in your copies to God's Word to Luke chapter 15? That's Luke chapter 15. Jesus had just gotten done telling two parables, and these three parables all have to do with a singular point. And the section that we are going to be reading from Luke 15 really pulls out the primary point that Christ is driving at here in this parable. So we are going to be reading from Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 25. Or beginning in verse 11. And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, and put it on him, and and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf, and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry. And he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. 
But when this son of yours came, you killed the fattened calf for him? And he said to his son, Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Lord God, we come before your holy throne. Give us ears to hear from you. Amen. In this parable that Jesus tells, there's a great crowd in front of him. And he identifies two specific types of people that he is seeking to address. The self-indulgent and the self-righteous. There are sinners that are coming back to God. People who are being healed, people who are being who were possessed with demons, who were being cast from them. And the self-righteous Pharisees are not okay with it. In fact, they are livid. And they're seething with anger as they're seeing Christ do these things to people that simply do not deserve it in their eyes. And to address that issue... He tells a set of three parables, and we just read the third, the final of the three, to call them out, to speak to their hearts in the deep underlying heart issue that is present there. He is ultimately calling the crowd to come back to God, or to come to God for the first time. That this isn't an exclusive coming to God. It's not just certain people that have it all together, but it's everyone. Everyone is to come back to God. And this is the invitation that he gives to you as well in this parable. And we come here to the very first section in verse 15, or verse 11, with the first son who represents the self-indulgent, the one who thinks that he deserves it all. And he said there was a man who had two sons, and the younger said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. So here's this self-indulgent son, and what does he say to his father? He says, give me. Not what you just think I deserve, but what is rightfully Mine, give it to me. Right now, I want it. It is mine. There's no pleasantries that are involved here. There's no, please, would you, Father, give me what is mine. It's a demanding heart attitude, a self-indulgent mindset, an entitlement issue. And in asking this particular request of his Father right now, It is totally backwards. It's an unthinkable request. Because to ask the the Father right now while the Father is still alive is to, in essence, in so many words, say, well, I'd rather wish you were dead than alive. 
In fact, I, o- I hate you and I only want your stuff. I only want what you can give me. The younger son regarded his father with complete and utter contempt. Do you regard God with complete contempt? Do you only want his stuff? Or do you really want him? See, the son wanted full and complete control. He was done being in his father's house. He was sick of being under the father's rule. And he wanted to be free of it all. He wanted to be his own man. He wanted complete autonomy so that he could do and see and indulge in whatever his heart desired. The world, the the flesh were, were calling to him and he could not resist. I'm a man now. I am my own master, and no one is Lord over me. And so in verse 13, we, we see it says in verse 13, Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. As soon as the father gives him that which he desires, his immediate response is to run away, to go as far as possible from anyone and anything and all of his upbringing. He wanted to go off into a far country as quick as possible so he could be free and liberated from his father's oppressive control. He was on a personal quest of fulfillment, of discovery. And he squanders it all. So he squandered it. And if you put this into today's terms, it's getting wasted. It's going and taking all that you have, the the money, the whatever, and using it for your own selfish purposes to indulge in the flesh. And that's the implication here, this idea of reckless living. It's a luxurious lifestyle. He, it wasn't enough for him just to use it on occasion or store it up. No, he was so eager to indulge in the world that he wasted all of his inheritance. With harlots, with the fanciest dinners and the wildest of entertainment, the, he had the expensive tastes, Do not be like this self-indulgent son. Do not run away and live however you want. Do not squander all that God has given to you on your own pleasures. Don't squander your talents or your time to use it for your own selfish purposes. Are you living Recklessly. In 14, we see that he uses all his money, he squandered it, and then he gets into a rather challenging situation. It says that there was a severe famine that came, and then he began to be in need. 
He's in a desperate situation now. It's bad enough that he wasted all his resources, but now there's not much food going around. There's, there's a scarcity of resources. And what he does is he asks around, where can I work? And the only job he is able to find is a job where he goes to, to feed pigs. Which in the Old Testament was completely disgraceful. Completely disgusting to the Levitical system. He was feeding swine. The worst of the worst. So he goes from here, the absolute pinnacle of freedom, to utter slavery. Desperate, wasted, in an absolute need. But he's not ready yet, is he? Even though he's sitting there and he's looking at the food and he says, oh man, I wish I could have some of that. Have you ever seen pig food? It is absolutely disgusting. They, they put the leftovers, they put the guts, they put the, the nasty parts of the human, or the, not the human body, but any body part of the thing that they're slaughtering in the pig's food. They give the, the, the last. And he is sitting there and he's seeing that. That which we would sit there and say, that's disgusting. He's saying, I want that. That is how desperately low he has become in his sinful state. Oh, I wish I had the paws that the, that the pigs were eating. And then in verse 17, it says this, But when he came to himself, he had to get to this desperate point for it finally to click. For a light bulb to go off in his head and say, well, this is actually not okay. I can't, I can't be here in this situation. And then he thinks back to his father. He thinks back to the life that he had. And he's thinking about how his, the servants, they're not longing for pig food. They've got enough food for themselves. They're well taken care of. They have houses. They're clothed. It's nice there. What if I go back? What if I go back to the Father here? And he, he knows, though, that he can't go back as a son. He can't go back as a son because he's lost that right. He understands that he's, his only situation here, the only possible solution for him is to say, well, maybe you'll take me back as a servant. At least... That much I could expect. He's not making excuses. He understands how much he's failed. How dumb he's been. The stupid decisions that he's made. He he gets it. He understands. He understands that he's, he's not worthy to be part of the family that he left behind. Do you understand your lack of worthiness on your own merit like this younger son? Or do you make excuses for yourself? Not really that bad. What characterizes you? Are you an excuse maker? Or do you take ownership of your failures?
So he goes back to the Father. We hit this climactic point of this desperate situation on, on his end. And he's got this plan that, again, he's going to go back to the Father. He's going to say to his Father, I'm going to, I know I can't come back as a son, but perhaps as a, as a servant. And then we come here to this verse. In verse 19, verse 20, And he rose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. This is the most bizarre response, the most unexpected response from the father. What's, what's astounding, too, about this is that it's, he's looking from afar... And many, I'm assuming that it's, it could be a great distance here. But he sees, and it's not as if he's sitting there saying, well, is that my son? As soon as he sees the distant silhouette that's back, there's no doubt in the father's mind who that is. Because he runs to him. Imagine this old man. His heels clicking in the wind, his, his shirt flying up from under him. It would have been disgraceful for those in the society to see the, the father doing that. Like, what are you doing? You can't be doing that. You can't be running like that. That's not okay. And he goes to him. And he kisses him. He embraces him. This beautiful response. This utterly unexpected, unimaginable response. He would have been filthy. He came unclothed. He came without sandals. He probably smelled bad. He was feeding pigs. But there's an embrace. There's a kissing. There's a, there's a compassionate love that is demonstrated here to this, to this self-indulgent son that has run away. No, how dare you show up here? On my doorstep? No, how dare you come back here after all that you have done? You are no son of mine. You might think that would have been the appropriate response. Family, parents, when you have children that do that to you, what is your response? Do you treat your children the way that I just described? Know how dare you come back? Or is your response to your children when they come back to you characterized more like this father? Father, I have sinned. This is what he says as he's getting kissed, he's getting embraced, as this climactic situation, the story occurs, and he says, wait, 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 wait a minute. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. This is not, he didn't understand, he didn't think this would happen to him. He is astounded, he is shocked by what is occurring. I have sinned against heaven and before you. There is a, No longer a worthiness. What are you doing? This is seems wrong. Oh wait, 
Here's what the father says. He says, son, you don't have any clothes. Servant, go. He, he has no clothes. We've got we to gotta put it on him. Wait, there's no, he has no sandals. Uh, can you please go and get the sandals? He has no shirt. He has no sandals. Put them on him. Do it quickly. He's back. Put them on his feet. Put the shirt on his back. Oh, and while you're at it, bring that ring, the, the ring that signifies sonship, because I'm not taking him back as a, a servant. This is my son, and yes, he has failed. Yes, he's squandered it, but he's back. Put that ring of sonship upon his hand so that people know what he is coming back to. Full restoration. Full peace. And we're going to celebrate. Bring the fattened calf. He's back. This is great. This is awesome. Do it. Do it quickly. And then in verse 25, the real driving force that Christ is getting at in this parable. Now his older son was in the field and And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he's outside, and he hears this music and dancing. He turns to the servant and says, Hey, what's all the commotion about over here? What's going on? Oh, well, replies the servant. Didn't you hear? Remember that that, uh, brother of yours, the younger brother? Remember how he went and he left? And, well, he's back. Who knew? And... By the way, your father said that we're to prepare a feast for him. We're to grab the... Remember that fattened calf that we've been saving for a great celebration? Well, he told us to go grab it. I'm going to cook it because it's going to be awesome. But what is the response from the younger or from the older brother? Verse 27. And he said to him, Your brother has come, your father has killed the fattened calf because he received him back safe and sound. In verse 28. But he was angry, and he refused to go in. Anger. Anger at seeing something astoundingly awesome, absolutely unexpected, totally beautiful and glorious. And the only response from the older brother was anger, was hatred, and a refusal to celebrate the goodness that the father was demonstrating to the undeserving, self-indulgent younger son. Why, though? Why is he standing there looking at this situation with hatred and anger? In verse 29, but he, so at the end of verse 20, his father came out and entreated him. The father is wondering, what are you doing? So he comes out to the, to the, to the older son and entreats him, speaks to talk to him, tries to pull him in. Verse 29, but he answered his father and says, look, these many years I have served you. So here, this, this second son is the, is the one who is self-righteous. In his mind... He's been there serving in the Father's house, doing the right things, crossing his dots, 
or crossing his T's and dotting his dots or whatever the saying is. He's been doing everything right. And he says, look, this, this is not okay. I deserve this. And there's all of this language here. At least three times it's, I deserve the fattened calf. I, you never did this. You never did this for me. I deserve this. I deserve that. He doesn't deserve this. The older brother thinks he's entitled to these things because of what he has done. Because he didn't fail in quite the same way or at all in his mind the way that the younger brother did. This, in fact, he doesn't even recognize him as his son because he says, this son of yours, not this brother of mine, this, this son of yours, he comes back after wasting it. He comes back after using the money you've given him to indulge in with, with harlots and go to waste all of his money. This son of yours. And you do all of this for him? No, no, no. No. See, I deserve this. And everyone understands that you are to be awarded based on your own morality, based on the merit of your own good works. This is the problem. He thinks he deserves it. He thinks he's righteous. He thinks he's got it all figured out. That famous hymn, the Oh how Oh Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. If he heard that, he would have been sitting, that's not me. But you know, I could think of like three to four to five to six other people that that would apply to. But not me. I, I'm not a wretch. I'm actually a pretty good person. This is applied to everybody else. And then the Father says to him, All that I have is yours. All of it. What are you trying to earn? You already have it here in front of you. But this whole time, you've just been trying to earn it? And you think that you're entitled to it? What have you been doing? It's, it's been here. It's, it's already yours. So really, you're the one that's out of place here. Because the parable at the beginning is about a lost sheep, the, the one that... The, the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one and there's rejoicing. The parable of the lost coin, the, he loses the coins, he finds the one and there's rejoicing. The, the son comes back here in the, in the prodigal son, there's rejoicing, but then you aren't, he's the one that's the odd man out. He's the one that sticks out like a sore thumb as completely different from all the other patterns of the previous parables. Because he doesn't get it. Do you, you who are believing yourselves to be self-righteous, if you think that you are better 
than anybody else in this room because you grew up in a Christian school, you're, you're not better. If you think you're better because you, you didn't grow up doing drugs, you're not. If you think you are better because you didn't have sex outside of marriage, you're not better. If you think you are better because you came from a good neighborhood rather than a rougher one, you're not. If you think you are better because you either were or are currently a straight-A student, you're not better. If you think you are better because you don't gamble your money on lottery tickets or go to the casino and waste it on pointless games, and instead you invest it in your 401k, you are not better. If you think you are better because you never went to strip clubs or got addicted to alcohol or have or any other addicted substance whatsoever, you are not better. And if you think you are better, or that this somehow makes you more worthy of God's favor or blessing or love, I have pity for you. Because like this young, like this older brother, you don't get it. You see, you, you need to repent if that is the way you think. You need to cry out to God to help you to understand the immense power of the gospel and how nobody comes worthy to the Father's house but comes broken, comes naked, comes without nothing or with nothing. You need to repent if you think that you are better than anybody else. And if you think you are better than anybody else, you have been massively self-deceived. And you need to recognize that the only semblance of righteousness that you possess does not come from yourself or the merit of your own good works, but it comes from Christ's righteousness alone. He is the one who takes unrighteous people and those who think they are self-righteous breaks them so that they can understand that the only righteousness that they will ever possess is found in Christ and in Him alone. You see, the older brother is the odd man out because Christ in all of His ministry was not coming for those who think that they are good, but those who know that they are not. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what he comes for. Not the people who think that they are in the right path. Not the people that think they've got it all figured out. But the ones that know that they have not got it figured out. The ones that know that they are lost. It is to those people that Christ has come. But it's also to the people who either believe that they're self-righteous 
Because the father does come out to the older brother and entreats him. And he's entreating you who are believing that you are self-righteous. The same. To come home to the father. Either back or for the first time. And he goes to the one who comes with nothing. Squandered everything. Which son? Which category do you fall under? Do you understand God's grace for you? Do you really? My heart's desire for you is that you would understand the majesty of Christ. That you would understand that everyone comes to Christ the same way. And this is the invitation that he gives you. To come. To come to him whether you are self-indulgent and you think that there's no possible way based on what I have done in the life that I have lived that I can't possibly be welcomed back by the Father. You don't understand how bad I have been and the things that I have done and the things that I have seen and the stuff I have indulged in. Let me tell you something. To you, Christ says, come. To you, he says, come and taste and see and partake in the beauty of all that Christ is. Because his grace is sufficient for you. So why will you not come? And to those who come and they think they've got it all together... May he, may he break that heart of yours. May He help you to see the reality of who you are and how much greater in your weakness and your strength and your sin that that makes Christ. And if you have been thinking as the older brother, the invitation is for you to come. To come back Because the Father is entreating you. Stop standing outside of the house. Let's celebrate together. So what are you guys waiting for? Lord God, we come to you as broken people from various backgrounds, various walks of life, various ideologies, and yet are united by the reality as your word clearly says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but are reconciled through Christ alone. If there are any in this audience right now who come 
believing that they are something they are not, convict their heart. Expose it for for what it is and bring them to repentance. And if there are some in this room who think, you don't understand the kinds of things I have done, may you make clear to them the majesty of the gospel, the beauty of your love, that it is not for those who have got it all together, but it's for them that Christ has come. It's for all who cry and call out to you for a new heart. Lord, convict us. Lord, encourage us. Lord, may we come back to your house. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.